This is Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast on TSN 1050. Welcome to Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. Gareth Wheeler alongside TSN broadcaster now. Is that now your lead or is it academy coach? Nonetheless, it's Mr. Terry Dunfield, former Toronto FC midfielder, Canadian international. Well, how do you want to be referred to first and foremost? I like all of those, to be honest. Thank you very much. Thanks again. We're almost there, almost at 100 now. Right. And uh, coming on the back of an unbelievable result as well. H- have you heard the new killer song, The Man? I'm the man! <laughs> I do like the killers, though. Yeah. Though, that was our song going to Wembley one year and we lost. So. Really? Which yeah. song? Uh, Mr. Brightside. Mr. Brightside, okay. yeah. They got this new song, The Man, yeah. and you'll just start strutting, just play it, and you'll feel right, like you right. can't be beaten. Decent. You're the best. Right, right, right. By the right. way, someone actually requested last week that we give an Academy update. Someone okay. hit me on Twitter because you were undefeated, but it was just over a week ago that that undefeated record went by the wayside, Terry. You actually lost a game as a coach. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry to, sorry to say this, but yeah, we got beat. Uh, we made it 20 in a row. And in the semi-final against West Ottawa, it was like the perfect storm. We were missing four players. Our four best players are injured. Uh, sorry to the other guys that, that are listening. <laughs> you guys are all great. But uh, we were missing our four best guys. Our awesome center half that I love, uh, he went down with the under-13 team to help them out for a game. Our other center back pulled up sick before the game, so I wished he was playing. But uh, I'm you're bearing the lead. There was controversy. Controversy. There was the way that it played so out. So we're up 1 0. By the way, just, if you're just tuning in for the first time, Terry is the Toronto FC Academy under 14 coach. And he was previously, what were you, 20 wins? 20, no? 21 0. 21 0 0. Not even a draw. Yeah. The guys have been flying. This this is a really good age group. So carry on. And so we're 1-0 up. It was like the the perfect storm. We're getting changed in TFC2's changing room. So it was like a little... I didn't like that. We're playing on Ontario Soccer Centre. So we go up 1-0. Everything's going to plan. And they were kind of coming back into the game. It was roasting. It was 40 degrees. We had like two subs. Our main keepers, he's out injured as well. And... uh, they we concede. Our keeper comes running out, makes a little bit of a mistake anyway. One one. Make a couple of changes. Benoit and I, Benoit Sheru, he helps out when he can make it. Sometimes, our two subs connect. We go two one up. Benoit and I are hugging each other. We're jumping on each other on the sidelines. We're buzzing. This is so prior this is at to like the calf injury too. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so this is at two. So we think we're up two one with twenty minutes to go. I've been in football now 20, 25 years. Benoit, even longer. If there's any instinct... No. (laughs) I'm pretty brave up here away from him. No. So anyway, uh, they whip a ball in. Oh, sorry. We whip a ball in. We score at the back post. If I had an inkling of offside, I'm going to look over at the linesman. Don't even think to. We're celebrating. Without, Without me seeing, the linesman puts his flag up. Our whole team's in the corner celebrating. We now have a 7-on-0 coming on our keeper, and our keeper is not the biggest. It was like something out of the mighty But it's 7-on-0! 7-on-0. It's like slow motion. I'm like, no! Get back! So anyway, they they score. They go up 2-1, and then we concede off a late set piece. But We won last night 5-0. How does the referee... Okay, if so we're he, back. If I don't want to talk about it anymore. If you <laughs> see the entire team celebrating, you got to hold up the play. Oh, yeah. At least say, 
guys, just let you know, flags up, it's offside. So you give the team a chance to get back. And I thought I, I didn't That's know what crazy. to do then. I didn't know whether to go Greg Vanny and lose it and get sent <laughs> off. And like thought my whole team's looking at me to do something. I'm like. Right, right, get back, we regroup, and we try to get back at it, and in the end, we didn't just have enough. But this Ottawa team's good. We beat them earlier in the year 3-0. Okay. I knew it was going to be a tough one. Um, but having said that, we are playing New England Empire uh, in Niagara next week, so that'll be a good game. Awesome. Sometimes yeah. you need to take one step, step back to take two steps uh, forward, Terry. Perfect, and I think it'll be good for their development. Uh, plenty to get into on this Still week's podcast. Still not nice podcast. No, of course. I, I know you, Terry, and you <laughs> hate losing. Uh, on today's pod, no VAR coming to the under-14s, but it is coming to MLS this weekend. We'll look ahead to Toronto FC's game, first versus worst, and Toronto FC against DC United. We'll reflect upon last weekend, a big win against NYCFC. The MLS All-Star game went down on Wednesday night, and the business of the game in North America absolutely thriving when it comes to the game of football. But let's start off with last weekend against New York City FC. Never mind this first versus worst that we're looking at this weekend. This was a top of the table clash. Two of the most well-regarded, highly regarded teams in MLS. Toronto FC against New York City FC. You and I had the radio call of the match. It was Villa versus Javinko. The rematch of you know two teams that just played 11 days before a controversial 2-2 draw at that. But it wasn't much of a contest, Terry. New York City came out of the gate very well for the first 10, 15 minutes. But once Toronto FC got their bearings, it was a very comfortable afternoon. And even a game where you can make the argument TFC wasn't at their best, they still come away with a 4-0 victory, a statement win going into the All-Star. I think that describes it best, a huge statement win. No other MLS teams were playing on the day. Everyone would have been watching national broadcast game in the States as well. And TFC just overpowered NYCFC. They were unbelievable. And at the start of the year, when all the fixtures come out, this was the one you look at and go, this is the big high-profile game completely sold out beautiful day and TFC did not disappoint in the slightest it was a rare afternoon game right like a 2 p.m. game it was hot outside much different conditions and Toronto FC basically playing a full strength 11 yeah they were minus maybe beta all Seth came in for right. him but it, it was arguably their best team uh, on form and and you know not maybe not the best players but how this group works best together right now and uh, it was great to see Obviously, the group together and then players coming back from fitness, the Gold Cup. And I, I agree with you. It took TFC a little bit of time to get going. I think the hot conditions, the pitch was a little bit sticky. The team's used to playing under the lights at night when the pitch is wet and a little bit dewy and the ball moves a bit quicker. I thought NYCFC started really well. Pirlo in right. particular, I wouldn't say bossing the game, but was controlling the tempo of the game for the first five, ten You don't minutes. lose your touch, do you? No. That's the thing, like... Andrea Pirlo, we saw the good and the bad all wrapped up in one because this, this guy's a World Cup winner. When I think of that, those holding midfielders or those very good dis, um, uh, distributors from the midfield over the past decade or so, you think of Pirlo, you think of Scholes, you think of Iniesta, you think of players like this. And Pirlo, you can make the argument, is atop the pile. And he showed why right out of the gate, but then you saw the bad Pirlo as well just simply can't track back. He can't play defensively anymore. He can't move. And the fact that he didn't have Yangel Herrera, a player that it doesn't have the quality of Pirlo on the ball, but he has the legs, it made all the difference in the yeah, world. Yeah, Herrera was suspended. He was missed big time. And I thought a player like 
Pirlo or Torsten Frings when he came to TFC at the end of the crew. Good call. If, you, if you play a player like that, you need to protect him a little bit. You need to have legs around him. And, and uh, I, I don't think NYCFC did that. I thought Ring was poor on the day, and Morales played extremely high. So at times, Pirlo was on a little bit of an island in there with a lot of TFC bodies in the middle of the park. So Altef goes out early, so the, the quick change. Raheem Edwards comes in, plays on the right, typically doesn't do so. He is a laceration atop his foot. He's out this weekend. We'll get into more on that. But an early change was made. Then TFC finally started to come into the game. And it was a moment of magic. And yet again, Sebastian Javinko from distance turns Pirlo inside out. Just Pirlo is like Ole defense. And then Javinko back in the net. Just a I like wonderful that Ole goal. defense. That's That's what, do you know what? Like being a basketball guy as well, Jose Calderon just right. couldn't defend anyone when he was here with the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> just let players blow by him. It was like Pirlo saying, okay, there you go. There's the space. And then uh, just a spectacular finish by Seba. And at, so that was at 31 minutes. At 12 minutes, there's, just before I get we get to that, sure. I, I thought there was a warning sign as well where Delgado played it squared to Javinko in the middle of the park. Javinko had a little bit of joy dropping in between the lines, sort of into midfield at times. He took Pirlo to the right-hand side, had a shot, and it beat Sean Johnson to his left side. And that was kind of a little a matchup that we liked. And if we could get Javinko in and around Pirlo at the top of the box, you think you're going to get some joy. Then the goal comes at 31 minutes. It's nice little bit of interplay between Delgado and Raheem out wide. And what makes a goal for me, other than Javinko's brilliance, is Raheem Edwards' makes a great forward run and draws two, three NYCFC players with him, including Pirlo. He starts to follow that run. Javinko now has a little bit of space to operate in. Pirlo slow coming out. Javinko just drops his shoulder to the inside and uses Callens as kind of a wall. He bends it around Callens into that top corner and how he shapes it in with his supposed weak foot was, it was incredible. Is there what a better a player from distance in, in the league, like just in terms of like scoring from outside the box. We saw it in the MLS All-Star game as well. Like Javinko loves to drop back, find that space. That's why I like when he starts dropping underneath Josie and 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 I I guess when the partnership was coming together, it was Josie dropping a little bit more and Seba playing higher, but Seba in that pocket of space dropping a little bit lower. That's where he's at his best when he's running at players. He he really is and and when he drops, he's so good at creating half a yard or or going yes. past a player. I, I'd say there's other good players, Jeff Lewinowitz, he's got a great strike from distance. Janino comes to mind, but I I think Javinko, there's nobody better in the league. Once he gets into that little bit, it gets a little bit of space. And I think Altidore is really important because when you've got someone with his presence, his threat in behind up top, you have to respect that as a defender. You can't just go, all go to Javinko. New York City had some chances. Like, I didn't think it was a great half for TFC. And even after the game, Greg Banny was stressing, like, it was about survival out there. It was hot. It was sticky. It was a difficult game to play. But the difference for me between the two teams is TFC's shape and their and, and, and the personnel that they have at the back is so vastly superior to not only the shape, but the personnel at the back for New York City FC. Like you looked at whether it was White, Callens, Brion, like I just look at these players and for me, New York, for everything they offer going 
forward, they just simply don't have the players at the back that TFC does. No, they don't. And and our unit at the back isn't just the back three. It's also Michael Bradley sat in front of him, and when the ball's on the other on the weak side, Edwards is tucking around. This is this is a well worked unit that, that's been together. And whether Nicky Haglin comes into the team late on or starts, this, this three at the back with, with the holding and, Hernandez, and the two Jason wide Hernandez, guys. Don't forget about him either. He's been he's been great for the team when he's come in. It's well drilled back. Vanny said, that gives but, sorry, very t- little away. Sorry, Terry. Vanny mentioned that post match. I forget what the question was, but it was about how Haglin fits into that group. And he went out of his way to say, "We do not lose. We haven't lost a game when Jason Hernandez has played." So I just wanted to bring oh. that up. He made sure to point that out. He, he hasn't played a ton of games, but when he when he has come in, he's not let the side down. He's got so much MLS experience. And I th- also think with players like Drew Moore and Zavaleta, players that know the system, when you come into a winning side, it, it's great. I'm not taking anything away from Hernandez, but it's for me the back three and the way TFC defend, it's, it's more about unit than individuals. Now... It- on a game in a game that you score four goals, you think you're going to be talking about all sorts of expansive, attack-minded football. But the play of the game for me, and you and I were all over this on the broadcast, came in the 60th, 61st minute, where there was about a four or five minute span there in the second half where New York City FC started to find some space in behind the back line. They had a couple good chances, and then their best of the bunch came in the 61st minute. I believe it was Morales got in behind the back line via played him clear, six, seven yards through. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Chris Mavinga comes back, an incredible challenge inside the 18, wraps his foot around Morales, a much smaller player, but did so so skillfully that he didn't even touch the player, which is remarkable, picked the ball clean in a spot where a lot of players wouldn't have made that challenge simply because you're at risk of bringing the player down inside the 18, conceding a penalty. Out one nothing. that was the play of the game. That's a game-saving challenge right there. Yeah, and that's what Chris Mavinga can do. He ate up four or five yards to get back to Morales. The opportunity comes from David Villa dropping into midfield a little bit deeper. comes to the side of Michael Bradley. Bradley needs a shout, finds a little pocket of space, slides Morales through. Morales has three, four yards on him. Mavinga eats those yards up, and as you said, almost like he's playing Operation, just like wraps, <laughs> wraps his foot around Morales, times it perfectly, and sort of at that point, it's 1-1. The minute before that, Bono made a good save off uh, Dav- Sorry. At- a good save off David Villa yes. gets his angles right, makes himself big, and, and those are two key key moments that TFC sort of deal with with well. And, and what a tackle from Chris Mavinga! It, it was a great tackle, and I think it's worthwhile bringing that up because if he doesn't make that tackle, could have gone one one. We're staring at a very similar game that we saw a week prior where TFC didn't finish off a team in the Colorado Rapids. Yeah, good point. And and as as you said, it wasn't the most fluent, cohesive game from TFC. At times it was a little bit scrappy and, and they had to, to battle and it was a real professional performance and those key moments uh, TFC stepped up. Now, more of Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. This is Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. Wheeler and Dunfield with you. So at 1-1, Chris Mavinga makes that outstanding challenge. 1-0, sorry. Mavinga makes the, the incredible challenge. 
Then Toronto FC goes the other way, and they get an opportunity just six minutes later. Lewis comes onto the park as a substitute. He made a couple donkey challenges right out of the gate. And, and if you fouled, I think it was Javinko, right on top of the 18. And Seba went to work. Another spectacular free kick. And this was an area earlier in the season where people are saying, well, Seba isn't producing like he has been. <laughs> His free kicks weren't spot on at the start of the year, but they gradually got better as the year went on. And a picture-perfect one towards the south end of the stadium. I don't know who could have saved that shot. Just a remarkable free kick. He gets his brace on the day. He's dialed in with his free kicks right now. If I'm Olsen and DC manager, I'm think do not give any needless free kicks away. And that's exactly what NYCFC did. Uh, the substitute, Lewis, comes on, doesn't need to bring him down. I thought just before that, Rings defending, ushering him towards Lewis was poor. He's sliding all over the place for no reason. Javinko does well to draw the free kick, gets his body in front of Lewis, but Lewis just needs to stand up. Javinko's going into bodies. He sets up for the free kick, and now when he's over top of the ball, you're thinking, right, this has a chance. You get the, the whole stadium, there's that feel that he's yeah. really, really dialed in. And what I liked about this free kick, and he's got so many different tools in his locker for these free kicks. He's got the knuckleballer. He's got the one he feels into the top corner. And then on Saturday, he there was almost topspin. If you watch it again, there's so much topspin. It dips over top of the wall, and Johnson gets nowhere near it. Yeah, it, it, it was incredible. I love it. I was at the end of the stadium. You saw some video that was taken from the crowd. It just looked great. And it was hit at pace as well. Get this stat, Terry. Both of Juvenko's goals last weekend came from outside the box, making it his fourth MLS brace scored entirely from beyond the penalty area. Only one other player has done that in a single match since the start of 2015. And that was Felipe against Houston in March of 2016. He's done it four times outside the 18. It's just, it's just remarkable. I'm sure I read this week, too. He's got the record for free, free kicks. kicks in the league as well now. Yeah. Incredible. At 50 goals scored in 78 games. T Toronto FC, uh, their social media has showed every uh, all of his 50 goals. It's just, how many times have you watched it? It's just incredible. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that goal. I remember that goal. It's just and, there, and there's some decent goals in there, oh, too. Some incredible it, it goals. Me, I remember Danny Cooverman's, uh, when I first met him down in the beaches, he invited me over to his house for dinner. So I lived two blocks away. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to go over. He's, he said, I got my video from Europe at PSV, all the goals I've scored. Why don't you come over and watch this and cook dinner? I thought, that's pretty humble, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come over, right? And, and Danny, I love him. And, and we're like best mates. He could not cook. He's never cooked. And neither does his wife. I don't know how they brought a family up by not being able to cook. So he comes over. He's got this new barbecue, and he's trying to impress me. And I'm going to watch his goal videos. So anyway, he says, has his chicken all lined out. I like that. Has his chicken all out. And, I say, and he asked me how I want my chicken cooked. <laughs> like he thought it was steak. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I don't want to medium rare. Yeah, just cook it. All the way through. <laughs> so anyway. No feathers. Getting back, I went off on a tangent. Now, getting back to my point here, I watched his highlight video of his goals. I watched 180 tap-ins from six <laughs> yards out. Trust me, Javinko's highlight reel is so much better. Did you show him your highlight, your goal reel I as well? I knew you were going to go there. Yeah, it, we wasn't were... a, it wasn't over a meal. It was over a snack. <laughs> I take that. Sorry, I had to. I thought I you were going to say over a shot. Yes, <laughs> yes that too. Uh, TFC made it 3-0. 
let's be honest, it was a penalty that never should have been given. Josie out the door. I'm sorry. Josie takes so much punishment that you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Honestly, because there's so many times that fouls aren't called against him. But would you call that a flop? What, what would you call that? You know what I'd call it, right? So I've watched it a few times in your video room. Veteran savvy? Uh, so Javinko does really well down the left-hand side. He does. And he lays it in, crosses it into Josie Altador. Why it looks bad to the to, to your natural eye or the first time you see it is because Altador doesn't actually touch the ball. He's posted up on Callens. Cal, but why it's a foul and why it's given is Callens' left arm is on top of Josie Altador's left shoulder. Altador's leaning back. And as he's leaning back, as soon as he feels that little bit of hand or, or pressure on his shoulder, it's, it's bringing him back with his momentum anyway. He goes over. Callens doesn't need to put his arm on him. I think it's soft, but there is some contact. He does drag him back a Here's the question. And VAR's coming in this weekend. If VAR's used on that, is that a penalty? Yes. Is it? You yeah. think so? Because for it to be overturned, it has to be 100%. Do you know what and the there is still a little bit of doubt watch, because his arm's on his shoulder. We watch at the Confederations Cup. There's still a subjective nature to VAR. And we'll get into this in, in the final segment. Or, but this is why I feel rather uncomfortable about VAR because it's an imperfect science. It's not like goal line technology, yes or no. There's still going to be a subjective nature to it. So, And that's the conversation we're having right now. By the yeah. sounds of it, you're saying it's not a penalty. I'm saying, yes, I can see why it's given and why it will not be overturned. I don't think it's a penalty. Regar regardless, Josie's given the penalty. I'm thinking, no doubt, Javinko's going to step up. He's already had two hat tricks against New York City FC. In, in their history of, of playing one another, I think it's Seb is going to step up and take it. Then it's Josie Altador. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's Josie Altador. I couldn't I couldn't believe it either. I couldn't believe and Altidore, it. Altador, he's drawn. He, I pretty much gives the ball to Javinko because in football that's kind of what you do. It's an unwritten rule: go score your penalty, son. I mean, go get your hat trick, son. Convert that penalty. But I think that this is a huge step, big picture from Javinko, and he realizes that you know what. Being a team player is not a bad thing. And a couple weeks ago, Altidore could have scored. I think it was Orlando away. He just lays it off for Javinko to, to chip the keeper. Yep. And, and it just shows the, the respect between the two. And, and the, you know what? Javinko really is a team player. Do you know, it, it was a big deal against Chicago when Javinko was on his hat trick. He'd scored two goals, came out of the game early, wasn't happy about it, was visibly upset. And that was a big deal at that time. Yet now, when he's on his hat trick, he gives it up, gives up a penalty, to, to, allows Altador to take it. He just shows you the mindset of this team. It's yeah. about the collective, and, and Javinko's bought in, Altador's bought in. They're playing for one another, and that is a huge... I, I think that speaks volumes about where this team is right now. And I think since that incident, and maybe Greg Vanny had a chat with Javinko, I don't know for sure, but there's been a huge change in his form, his attitude a little bit. And, and the, even the fourth goal where he plays it to Reem Edwards, maybe a few months ago he tries to get that shot off on his own. And um, I, I really like it. It was a great finish by Josie, by the way, on the penalty. A guy who's missed a couple this year went top shelf. It was on sale. Like, Sean Johnson felt like he could have got there, but no chance. He just buried that top drawer. Lots of confidence. Yes. And then TFC made it four. For the third consecutive game, and I don't know how often this happens, but for the third consecutive game, a first-time goal scorer in MLS. Raheem Edwards, a local product. Ashton Morgan got his first in New York. 
Uh, Jay Chapman got his first against Colorado. Then Raheem Edwards gets his first against New York at home. So it was nuts. At the beginning of the week, I'm, I'm coming, to, coming to the training ground to, to take the academy boys, and I see Ashton Morgan in the, in the sort of tunnel, or as you're coming in in the foyer, and congrats on your first goal. We played a ton of games together. I'm buzzing for it. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, it was good. I was like, where was that when we were playing? I was like, <laughs> I never got the chance. I always had that. You know that, Dunfield. I was like, okay, okay. I was like, you almost had a hat. I mean, you almost got an assist as well to Javinko. And he's like, yeah, I know. Javinko came and apologized to me after for missing. Oh, no, no. I was like, calm down, son. So anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so then I carrying on down the tunnel. Then I see Raheem Edwards. He's walking on air, absolutely buzzing. First goal for, for TFC. He was playing for TFC three, two not long ago. He really deserves all, every, all the plaudits he's getting. He's worked so hard to get where he is. And I thought it was a really well-taken goal. Poor defending from NYCFC. They all get drawn to the ball by Javinko. It's a great pass over a, the top. Yeah, he, outstanding. Sexy little turn. Picks out Raheem Edwards, and it's all about his first touch. His first touch is immaculate, sets himself up for the volley, and it wasn't really like he smashed it into the bottom corner. Picked the, it out. Yeah, it was kind of like a half side volley, side foot volley, volley to the bottom corner, a little bit of placement, a little bit of power, and uh, congratulations, Raheem Edwards, on your first goal. By the way, I sat down with Jay Chabin. You can go to torontofc.ca to see that one-on-one. Another local product celebrating his first goal. Someone who's like really enjoying his football, too, right now. Yeah. He's full of confidence, and he is a player that needs to be full of confidence to be getting the best out of him. So TFC win that game 4-0, heading into the All-Star, five-point gap between them and Chicago, six-point gap on them and NYCFC. But the thing that stood out for me is that if New York City FC is considered a contender in the East, I still think there's a gap between Toronto FC and everyone else. I know that the, the matchup in Chicago in a couple weeks' time, for whatever reason, the MLS All-Star broadcast, they kept on saying, oh, the game's next week. I'm like, no, it's not until the 19th. But anyways. They didn't quite get that one. No, I, saw that. I heard no, that as well. No, it's like, if you're their producer, you've got to get in their ear and say, you know what, it's actually. Anyways, I'll leave that alone. But there's just, a difference in class between the there, teams. There really is. And I think you nailed it earlier on, especially defensively. I still think they're missing some pieces, NYCFC. I know Herrera wasn't playing, but I like their front four. I think they're better than what they were last year. I like Harrison, Villa, Morales, and uh, McNamara. I think I think that's one of the best front units. But defensively, I, I still think they're disjointed. I don't think they defend well as units. I think it's a lot of 1v1 last-ditch tackles. And against good size with lots of attacking weapons, I, I think they'll get found out. Now, more of Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. This is Come On You Reds, Gareth Wheeler, Terry Dunfield with you. Hit us up anytime at WheelerTSN, at Terry underscore uh, Dunfield for all of your TFC talk. The, the, never mind the two teams, there's competition between the way we look at players. And David Villa, I mean, he's topped the list of the MLS top 30. There's the debate who's better, Villa or Javinko. For me, there's no question who's the better player. Like, right now, here in 2017, he's younger, he's more dynamic. That, that's Seba. And I know that these are two the two MLS MVPs in back-to-back years leading up to this. But Villa gets a lot of plaudits. But I think that sometimes you sleep on the guy who maybe is playing north of the border. Villa plays in New York. He's going to get more attention. And I think that was an interesting matchup, not only on... 
uh, last Saturday, but in the MLS All-Star game as well, Villa versus Javinko. And and I don't know how people right now in their right mind say that Villa is a more productive or better player than Javinko. Like, Villa scored some great goals this year. He's a fen- phenomenal player still at the age of 34. But right now, if you were to ask me which player I'd rather have in my team, it's Sebastian Javinko. I think so. And I think Sebastian Javinko's in a better team. I know it's a team game, but going about these as individuals, I think David Villa is more of a pure goal scorer. He, he'll finish your attack off, whereas Javinko can just turn a game out of nothing. Yes, David Villa scored some unbelievable goals this year, but Javinko can turn a game on its head. He's, he's so electric, and I think that's, for me, why he's probably the better player. If you just take age out of it, which player you'd rather have in your team right now, I think it's Javinko. Ask Three months ago, I probably just said David Villa. Right now, Javinko. And if he can carry this form on to the end of the season, he has to be the MLS MVP. Right. It's, it's just interesting to me why certain players get hyped and others don't. And this MLS Top 30, uh, a friend of mine reached out, and he's just a, a, a soccer fan, Dave. Um, he hit me up when this Top 30 list came out this week. He's like, how is Victor Vasquez not in the Top 30? He's like, you're telling me there's 30 players in MLS that are better than Victor Vasquez right now? And I, I was scratching my head as well. Like, maybe you can only put in so many TFC players. Like, Javinko, Alter, Bradley were all in the top 10. But you can't convince me that there's 30 players better than, than Vasquez in MLS right How now. How is Vasquez not even at the All-Star game? I don't know. And, like, when all the All-Star voting and everything was done, it's when David Villa was in unbelievable... I mean, sorry, Vasquez was in unbelievable form. He, he, he really is an absolute technician. Uh, ask any of players around the club at TFC how much he's respected, how good he is, the staff, his awareness. He, he, he can score goals, his precision with his passing. He, he has to be in the top 30, and he's got to be probably the best acquisition this offseason. No kidding. Well, Nicola acquisition for Chicago. But then you're talking, you look at like the whole package, yep. age, I'm with money. You. I, I, I'm with you. And what teams need? I know Chicago needed goals. And he he's taken that, Toronto FC, a team that was in the MLS Cup final, to another level. He really he's has, especially him. at home. When, and you think TFC right now at home, look at their record this year compared to last season. When teams come here, you just park the bus, be difficult to break down. TFC not, now have another option with him. He's unlocking defenses. So he wasn't at the All-Star game Wednesday night. But the festivities look good. Jordan Hamilton played in the homegrown game, a 2-2 draw with uh, Chivas on Tuesday night. Uh, all sorts of concerts. It was a good show in Chicago. Good city to host it in as well. I've actually seen a soccer game at Soldier Field. I think it was in the build-up to the 2010 World Cup. I think it was England and the United States. Right. I saw it at Soldier Field. Good, good. stadium to see a game in. Yeah, it, it just shows you when a great crowd, another big crowd, like, what was it, over 60,000 yeah, people at Soldier Field? Yeah, crowd for a soccer game there. I, that's why Chicago needs a downtown stadium. Like, uh, yeah, bridge it's pretty obvious. Just... It's the war. And you, when we, we leave for a 7 o'clock game there, we want to arrive just after 5. Because of traffic, you're leaving at, like, th- just after 3. It's yeah. ridiculous. To, to only go, what, 30 miles outside the city, it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's not a great. It's a great stadium. They've got a training ground there. In theory, it works, but you need. It, I mean, the formula for 
full stadiums and MLS is it have to be in cities? I, I don't want to get too much into the All Star game. Like I, I was actually sick this good. week. There was lots of celebrity. Yeah. Sorry, I, I really enjoyed the build up to it. I, I thought, thought MLS did a nice job. Yeah, they they really did. I thought Michael Bradley. should have played the Canadian anthem though before they should have sang the Canadian anthem before the game. I mean, it's a North American league. It's not just American teams. You're not good it, point. I, I thought that they missed the ball on that. But it was a good show. I was sick this week, so I couldn't watch all the game. Um, but Real Madrid comes to town, glamour team. I know there's no Cristiano Ronaldo, but a very young team out of the get-go. 1-1, Real Madrid wins in penalties. There wasn't too much to speak of about the game other than what happened the first 10 minutes. Greg Garza, an important defender for Atlanta United, goes down to injury. That doesn't tell me that you need to change the format. I like the format. It's much more competitive than any other All-Star game in North American sport. It's just unfortunate. It just went down awkwardly, separated his shoulder. Yeah, not a nice one. I've, I've done both my shoulders, too. Have it's you? horrible when you look down and it's hanging out and you can't get it back in. You, you right need away. to go to the hospital. Uh, you need to get it pinned now, so you'll be out probably for 8 to 12 weeks. You can actually play uh, with it two, three weeks later, but it, once it's come out once, it can come out again very easily. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's awful, and I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. It's so painful when your shoulder comes Hurts out. Hurts Atlanta because that's a team that absolutely rightfully has playoff aspirations. Is good enough you lose your left back as an expansion team? That's not easy. No, and he, he, he's been, moving into the new he, stadium. He's, he's, he's been excellent. Real dynamic uh, fullback that loves to get forward. Uh, just going back to the All-Star game, I thought of the three players for TFC, I thought Michael Bradley was excellent. I thought, I don't want to go too far, but it looked like physically, fitness-wise, mentally, he was on the level of the Real Madrid player. He really looked good out there marshalling uh, the MLS all I think Bradley, team. if he wanted to, if he really wanted to, could go back and play, you know, whether it's it might not be at the top, top, top flight of, of European football, but right there. Yeah, what, okay, whether He's good the enough, he's smart enough, he's like, I don't know, but... That's I'm, what I'm talking... When I say top flight, I mean, yeah. like, maybe not... You know, a Real Madrid, Barcelona, but he played for a very competitive European club. And that was watching the game. I'm, I'm sorry, brass of TFC, to say this, and I'm sure Bradley's come out and said how much he loves Toronto and it's his home, links with his old man going to LAFC. Bob Bradley just got the job there, and there's speculation that Michael might go. No he, chance. He, he put that out. That but story's been told what, for a long what time. I did, but what I did think watching that game was I thought, wow, you, you always hear about players wanting to go to Europe and, and, you know, could they do a job? And and watching that game, and, and I think MLS is really good and players don't need to go to Europe and you can have a really good living and the quality here is now excellent, uh, is that watching that game, I thought to myself, wow, Michael Bradley could easily go play in Europe. Bradley's lived in Holland, he's lived in Birmingham, he's lived in Rome, and, and I've, I've chatted just with Michael about this, and he says it's not easy living in some of these places. It's not. It's completely different. He is comfortable. He loves it here in Toronto. He has a massive role. It, 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 he's the captain of the U.S. men's national team. There's a lot of reasons to make himself and make his home base he's here in North America. a great place, and, yeah. and, and he's been well compensated yes. here, let's be honest. But what, I'm, what I am going to say is, uh, the other thing I'll say is, I know he's just turned 30 now, and I hate when players are, are, you talk about ages, because I think it should be a little bit different. I think players should be looked at like cars a little bit, how many miles they have at the clock. I know Rooney's only 31, 
but he's played a ton of games, so he's a little bit older, like a year. Yes. Car- you know, I, I think that's he doesn't how seem like be, 31. Should be looked at, but what I will say is Michael at 30, he's still moving like he's 25. Yeah, I, I think we've seen the best out of Michael the last you know calendar year. Yeah. From from the midway point of last season on, he's been outstanding. So and I think a big part of it too also is the team's gotten better as well. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Aside from what went on in the All-Star game, the business of the game, I, I want to touch on this because you had Target as the main major sponsor of the MLS All-Star team and of the events. They pulled out a NASCAR to put their dollars towards, it, towards the game of soccer. You had over 700,000 people watching international champions cup games or whatever the tournament was called the preseason tournament with real madrid man city man united barcelona over seven hundred thousand people came out in north america to see those games that's on top of gold cup games and mls games the business of soccer is booming adidas has signed a new kit deal with mls which is paying mls more money than adidas is paying to the nhl incredible. and i know people I up, here in, in, up here in, in canada are just you know, whatever about the hockey world, but there's just so much more room for growth in the, in the game of soccer than there is in hockey. And, it, and, and it's represented in that, Terry. And I just think that I wonder for how much longer people at certain executive levels can turn a blind eye to the game. I, I, you think you can't deny it any longer. Oh, and, and the quality on the pitch is getting better and better. The stadiums are getting better. They're fuller. Uh, the, the game is really taking off. Potentially the World Cup's coming here in 2026. In Canada, the Canadian Premier League's hopefully going to get off the ground in the next couple of years. So soccer is flying in North America. Yeah. It's, it, it just everything continues to trend in the right direction, right? That, that, that's kind of the message. Uh, one other thing before we get into DC United preview, players continue to return home. Samuel Piet, the Canadian international midfielder, has signed on with the Montreal Impact. He's not a big player, but he's a solid player, and just more players deciding to come home, ply their trade back where they came from. I think that that bodes well as well. It does. I, I think Piet's been w- trying to come home for the last three, four years. Like he's he's been sort of struggling in the lower leagues of Spain and Germany, and he. He's He's got quality. He's a very good defensive midfielder. He's great at breaking up play. I thought he had an excellent Gold Cup, which got him the move to Montreal. He kind of showcased what he could do. Uh, I, I think it's a good pickup for Montreal. They're a little bit old and leggy in midfield. Uh, lots of experience, and <laughs> I don't want to. Patrice is my mate, so I don't want to hammer him. But I think he's 37, Piet, 38 yeah, now. Piet let's coming be honest. here, I, I think that that'll be. Uh, important. Are you going to win an MLS Cup with him starting? Probably not, but he will uh, definitely play a role. And, and, and there's so many games. Is now. Atiba next? Is it a matter of time to see Atiba Hutchinson back here? Like, Tur- the country of Turkey's gone through a lot, even though Besiktas continues to add you know, some pretty decent players this transfer window. But is Atiba bound to come home? I don't know. It's a tough one because economically, I, I, don't, I can't see the, the numbers adding up because he'll be making a fortune over there. He's an absolute legend. He's won the league there twice, uh, gone deep in in European competitions. So for him to come back, I don't see a fit in TFC's midfield right now. Uh, I'm not sure. Possibly Montreal, not 100%. And I think Vancouver, uh, with all due respect to them, I don't think they've got the the spending power, the, the 
resources to bring him back, and I don't think the turf would be a good fit for his knee. Now, MLS, one more thing on the All-Star game. They set a new television viewership record. Good time Wednesday night. You know, just only baseball going on, so uh, MLS taking full advantage on that. But we'll turn our attention to this coming weekend. No rest for the weary. We're straight back at it into league play in Major League Soccer and for Toronto FC. Now, more of Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. Wheeler and Dunfield with you. This is Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. Let's look ahead. Saturday night, 7 p.m. start. It's actually going to be one of the first games that has VAR, Video Assistant Referee, this weekend, which will be a little bit of a change. It's going to require players as well as you, the viewer, listener, to adapt. You can watch on TSN, listen to it on TSN 1050 radio as well. Worst versus first, Terry. <laughs> like that. That's what it is. TFC top the table 43 points a plus 19 in goal differential that's the best in MLS taking it on DC United a team that's stuck on 19 points has 18 goals in 22 games and a league worst minus 24 like this should be a game where Toronto FC goes away and picks up the full three points isn't it let's be honest here yeah, DC United aren't very good. I, I think what's important is you don't give a team like this any confidence from the start. Don't give them anything to latch on to. TFC beat them not long ago. I think it was June 17th. Mid, yeah, yeah, beat them 2-0. It was arguably TFC's best team out on the pitch that day. Uh, they, they did really well. It took it took a little bit of time to break DC down that 60th day. 60th minute. Yeah, Altador scores from a great... I remember that great ball from Javinko in behind, and then Hamilton ices it off in the end. Yeah, this DC team's short on confidence. Confidence. They're all over the map. Uh, they just got smashed 4-0 against Minnesota last week. They looked a little bit wary in transition, which is one of TFC's strength. Two of the goals came from that. In behind, Ramirez caught them out early on. And then the two center, center half, Boswell, who used to play for Houston, he looked a little bit leggy. Ibera isolated 1v1 for their last goal. So this team's short on confidence. They do have quality at times. They look good going forward. De Leon on the left-hand side, I liked him. I, I thought he created a couple opportunities against Minnesota. There's some been some comparisons, which... I think are a little bit extreme between Acosta and Javinko. He's supposed to be the Javinko of DC. Absolutely no chance. Look, he's a good player. Everything good going forward goes through Acosta. Then they try to get it out wide to either Lloyd Sam or De Leon. He's a good player of the Argentine, but nowhere near. Javinko. I know. I know that Ben Olsen's team has been hurt this year. Patrick Mullins and Acosta have only played been on the field for 95 minutes combined together on the year, and those are two of their better players. But their team with when we talk about next level players like TFC as Javinko and Altador and Vasquez. Like, DC United doesn't have that. They play rather direct, Terry. They're, they're a team that I think are better than advertised defensively, but when you're out there chasing games, like, that's when they get opened up. That's yeah. why scoring that first goal is going to be so important. Yeah, they they, they want to be a solid team defensively, but what prob their problem is, is once they concede and they need to go chase a game, then they're wide open, and then they keep getting done in transition. I like their center half, Bernabalm. I thought he played well against us a month ago. He's, he's a fine he, player. He's decent. And Ben Olsen's MO is bringing experienced MLS players. And you go through their team, everyone has, there's a ton of MLS games out there, but they're. They're nowhere near the level what TFC are right now. Mullins, I'd imagine he'll come back into the side after being out injured. Deshaun Brown, who they picked up from Tampa, was playing over in China. 
he's, he hasn't hit the ground running as, as yet. So I, I think that this is a very winnable game. DC have lost six games in a row. That's one off their their club record seven losses. Like, th- this is how bad this team is, and this is why they need to find some momentum. It's not about this year. They're finally moving out of RFK into a new stadium. I think it's the Audi Stadium next year. They've been linked to Chile and Gary Medell. They've been l- linked to Nigel De-, De Jong. We've seen him and some of his pig challenges in Major League Soccer. But they, they kind of need to bring challenges. in. I well, like that. <laughs> they kind of need to bring in a couple names, don't they, to like reinvigorate, which which will which is a traditional club in MLS, which will be a lot better yeah. once it moves into a new stadium. Yeah, they need to go to that next echelon and. And they don't want to spend, from what I can tell, a lot of money. They brought in Sarves from LA Galaxy, who's won a ton of championships there. He, he he'll give you a hundred percent, but These he's, aren't the he, big he's not going to be the a player that really controls a game, marshals a game. He needs to play alongside a very good player, which he did in Janino in in LA and and Beckham. He's kind of your 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 sort of Robin to Batman, shall I say? I know that's awful, but. He's not your main center midfielder, uh, and I, when you're struggling, and I've been there, the last thing DC will want when they look at the fixture list is TFC coming to town right now, full of confidence. No kidding. Here's the warning for TFC though: they drew a, a, a and also not a very good team in Colorado at home, one-one. They didn't have Bradley, they didn't have Alter, they didn't have Morrow. I get it, but. They play too slowly. They were too complacent. They need to pick up the pace in this game. They do, and and depending on... The capital can be a little bit tricky humidity-wise, heat-wise this time of year. I've gone down there, and it's a lot hotter and muggier than what you might think. RFK's got a beautiful surface to play on, probably one of the best surfaces in all of MLS. Stadium's a Stadium is rubbish, but the actual pitch is nice, and it should be conducive of TFC's high-tempo football. And and TFC, I agree with you, are at their best in this 3-5-2 system. To get the best out of this system, you need to move that ball quickly, shifting the blocks of DC around. And, And I thought TFC looked good against DC a month ago when they moved the ball quickly, got it out wide, and created nice little overloads when Altidore and, and Javinko were just drifting out wide. Is VAR going to be successful or not? I've been through a VRA game in the USL with TFC 2. It was okay. Uh, VRA or VAR? V- <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what, I, I think that was a different game. <laughs> so I went through VAR, VAR with, with the, uh, TFC 2. It, it was okay. At times you're thinking, when, when, what's being looked at, what's actually going on. So, so what they are going to look at, and I'm sure most of our listeners know already, they're going to look at goals, mistaken identity, red cards, and penalties. For me, listening to, to all the talks about it and getting educated and schooled on it, the biggest thing for me is if any of these four things are looked at, any of the build-up play to that, that's looked up as well, almost like rugby a little bit. I so know. if there's a handball, there's a tackle that leads to a goal or leads to a penalty within a couple of seconds, that can be flagged up, and then the goal or whatever might not uh, count. Greg Vetti likes it. Michael Bradley is more of a traditionalist. I'm kind of side with Bradley. Watching the Confederations Cup, it played out. Every time a goal scored, you don't know whether to celebrate the goal or not because it could potentially be reviewed. It just takes away the natural flow of the game. And in the past, I was pro-video replay. I really was. Um, but... 
I, it needs it was to be a black nightmare. and white. I, I like goal line technology. I like that because it's black and white. And if it's black and white, I don't have a problem with it. When you have a subjective element into it, I'm, I'm not so much in favor. I, I agree with you, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I, I think if it's black and white and, and you can just go to video, then yes, it works. But when you, when you want to go celebrate and you're thinking, oh, can I, oh, can I ah! You know, it's not right. And, you know, some of these decisions are huge. And, and there's so much money in the game now and championships on the line. And, and you want to get the decision right. So if VAR can help that, then, then great. But the last thing we want to be doing is waiting two, three minutes for a decision to come. And, and let's be honest, uh, I, I know that football and soccer are trying to move in the right direction with all the... Other sports which should be bogged sports. down by video replay. Yeah. But the, if the Confederations Cup is anything to go on, it needs to improve big time. Just another step closer to robot refs. <laughs> Robots are taking all of our jobs, people. It's going to happen. Um, come on out if you're a season's ticket holder to Toronto FC's open practice, open training session next Wednesday night. 6 to 7 p.m. Terry Dunfield and I will be down there. We'll be broadcasting Looking from down there. The live streams on so torontofc.ca. And then, then catch the TFC2 game after that as well. As they take on the Charlotte Independence, 8 p.m. If you have a ticket to that game, then you can come to the open practice as well. And also, Charleston. At 4.30, the, uh, Ontario Soccer Center, TFC 2, tomorrow as well. So you can get your TFC fix. Come watch TFC 2 play in the U.S. It's a long weekend. It's Festival, it's OVO Fest, it's Veld, and you got some TFC 2 action in town It's all as well. kicking off. Good stuff, buddy. At Terry underscore Dunfield on Twitter. I'm at Wheeler TSN. TFC DC United, 7 p.m. on TSN and TSN 10.50 Saturday night. I'm predicting a victory for TFC. Terry, you? I agree. <laughs> I, th I think you agreed with me twice in a segment. What's going on here? I think this DC team's stubborn, though. I think it's going to take a little bit of time to break them down, and it'll be closer than what we might think. I think it'll be a one or two niller. This has been Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast.